0: And that was a heck of a delay, Doc. What did you do? Did you break StreamYard? It's supposed to be two seconds, and it was like i I'll five. never Holy tell. <laughs> all right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for a, your daily dose of shenanigans. Over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast, just three nerdy veterans geeking it out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies, a place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we are going to introduce you to our guest, Miss Autumn Juliet. Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers?
1: Yeah. So um, I am Autumn Juliet, like he just said. Um, I'm 23 years old, so I'm a baby. Um, I've been narrating audiobooks since 2020, and so I'm really just getting my foot into the door, but I've done about seven plus books, and I've won two awards, and I'm still going at it.
0: <laughs> Congratulations.
1: Thank you.
0: And since you uh, you said you won the award, we do have that cute. Give me just a second. Um I'm assuming everyone else can see the uh so we got a little headshot right there with her uh, with her, her award. Or you can see them all in their glory. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Stevie romance. Wait. Stevie romance is actually a category, so I shouldn't say that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, I'm assuming the the autonomous One the the pastel one people can see because I can't.
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean I can see it. All
0: right, perfect, perfect. (laughs) I'm colorblind, so it just just looks like white to me. Oh yeah,
1: it's like.
0: I I had to get someone to look over my shoulder to see if that picture just didn't load or there was something there when we were grabbing the award pictures. Like (laughs) no, I could totally see it, but then when you're colorblind, you realize people make fun of you all the time, so you never know if it's really there or they're just messing with you. I'm still not convinced those little circles have numbers in them.
2: JR, people just make fun of you. It's not because you're
0: colorblind. No, no, I'm just talking about, about the, the issues of color. Like, those little circle tests, Doc, I am not convinced there are real numbers in there. I think you guys are. It's a conspiracy against us. It's a grand conspiracy, and I just wasn't invited. I, think, I'm I mean, I'm honest. not going to say you you're wrong. People, <laughs> if, you, if you agree, people, put a note in the comments section. Do your part. Mm-hmm. Tell Doc she's wrong. All right, so the next part you were wrong, you're
2: so they
0: should tell you you're wrong, anyway. They should tell you you're wrong anyway, just on on account of
2: they are okay. I might have had like
0: I might have had a little too much caffeine before this episode. All right, so the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is how we found them. So, I actually first found. Autumn through, uh, through Mel Todd. She narrates for the great and mighty Mel. So, And then she narrated a story that Doc and I wrote, a short story that will be coming out this year. Uh, it is working its way through Audible. And you know that could be three days, three years, three decades. You just never know. You know.
2: That's, but, it's like your career in the army. Nobody ever knows.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear eight and a half years. <laughs> now, whether I actually worked that whole eight and a half years, I was a specialist a couple times.
2: Oh, oh, so maybe more like your time and
1: grade?
0: Yeah. You know, well, I was also a corporal a couple times, so I don't know if that counts towards the E4 Mafia cred. Probably not. <laughs> they don't generally claim us.
2: No, no. You get to be the NCOs bitch if you're a corporal.
0: Basically, yeah. So, but I was so good at it, I did, I did it three times. <laughs> so how, how did, did I, I meet? meet-
2: Oh god, I think I met you through your dad. Actually, before you started narrating for, yes, Mel, and yes. then in 2020 you saved my sanity. Yeah. That's oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, <laughs> as we everybody knows, 2020 was the year that was, or it could have been, yeah. and
1: the panini. panini.
2: Uh, Autumn yeah. was amazing because Dragon Con went virtual on very short notice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And in an attempt to get as many panels and content out there for the fantasy literature fans at Dragon Con, I managed to get a bunch of panels recorded. I think we did like 12 or something like that. Yeah, I think so. And then Autumn went and did all the video editing and some of the fine tuning and put bumpers on things and was absolutely amazing oh, because true. I would have had a nervous breakdown if I tried doing it. And you did that amazing blooper reel. Which oh, people, that was
1: so fun. I love doing that. I
2: still have people coming. Like I have walked up on people watching it at Dragon Con <laughs> and they're like, why can't we have one of these? And I'm like, I'm not sure that we have a way of filming bloopers without, like, having 24-7 camera rolling in the track. Yeah. I, it was, like, a one-time magical thing that still gets plays.
1: I, that was so much fun. I, like, was learning new editing skills while doing it, too. And I just, like, the whole brony situation, like, that whole <laughs> story arc was, like, my favorite thing to edit. Like, edit him being k- kicked into the Grand Canyon chef's cast. It was amazing.
2: It, I loved it. And by the way, he still gets teased about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still get glared at and going, how did, I actually don't get glared at? I get Dakota gets glared at. And then Dakota looks at me and goes, you're the one who said he was a brony, but I'm getting all the blame. Um. You locked
0: out then. So the other thing, doc, I don't know if you remember is, 2020 was the year we rebooted from the sci-fi shenanigans to it the is. blasters and blades, and we had old episodes that were edited on our old program when we were using. Uh, we probably shouldn't name them, but the older program before we found Streamyards was less, um, shall we say, user friendly. And uh, and Autumn edited the because it recorded all of us separately, and she edited the tracks together so we could use some of those old episodes.
1: Yeah. When we first started,
0: so I forgot
1: about that. I forgot about that too. <laughs>
0: Well, you did a stellar job because we had was, no like, complaints. So
1: dramatic, she couldn't handle it anymore. It was like that was I did so much video editing that year that it's like all just kind of blurs together.
0: <laughs> I get that. And you've done a lot since then, so I, there's no reason a podcast would take precedence over all the books you've narrated.
1: I think I remember. I think I remember that. I just thought I didn't think that was 2020.
0: It was. That was the the year that we did um, we did the switchover. So that would have been the year. You've I done some since then.
1: Editing you, for you. I just. Yeah, you, you,
0: did Davis, uh, you did Davis. You did Davis us because his internet yeah. in the mountains of Timbuktu yeah. where he lives, it's like three strings in a tin can connecting him to the internet. So it was really bad. You saved the episode. So thank you, thank you. No, well, I that remember before.
1: that now. I remember receiving yeah. that and be like, oh. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> okay. Which sucks because Davis was a lot of fun to interview, and I'd love to have him back. But until the Wi Fi situation is improved, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. All right, Doc, you get to ask the religion question, but you know, you like her already, so we probably won't kick her even if she gets the wrong answer. We
2: won't kick her. Besides, she'll just send you a bill if you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly. All right. So. This is hard because when I was younger, I probably would have said Star Wars because like my brother and I would like play with lightsabers and like constantly be Jedis and stuff like that. But like it was always something that I would watch because my brothers were watching it. And so like as I grew up, I was kind of like not really into Star Wars. So you can crucify me now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. Star Trek I got into more when I was like a like teenager because my dad was like let's watch Star Trek together I was like okay and so um I think (laughs) next generation I think so that's the one we were watching I think it all Uh, depends
2: on what the captain looked like
1: yes wait it was Mailer
2: Kirk, so okay, James T. Kirk is the original.
1: That's the original,
2: and I could see your dad making you watch the original just because something about continuity or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we were watching that, and so then I grew a love. For Star Trek, yeah. and then Firefly, I watched. Bef- I shouldn't have been watching Firefly, but my parents were like having me watch Firefly with them when I was like eight years old. I was like, "This show is awesome." So, <laughs> probably like a little bit of all three, but watch I don't care. they say one is like my religion because, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. That's okay. But
0: you did learn with your dad to appreciate the Shatner comma.
1: Yes, yes, I did.
0: It's almost like the walk-in comma, but not as classy.
1: Yeah, because he he loved, he was like, every time he would watch an episode, like, they're 45 minutes, right? They would end yeah. up in, like, an hour and a half because he would pause it and he would be like, see, in this time, this was, like, so controversial. And, like, it was, like, so amazing. Oh, my goodness. And
2: oh, my goodness. I was like, I'm never watching Star Trek with your dad. I'm
0: never
1: doing it. Dude, sign it. me up.
0: That sounds fun.
1: That's like my whole family though. Like we take, if a show is 30 minutes, it's going to take us an hour because we will pause it and talk about something like politics, religion, uh, society. Like we will just be like, and this is why relationships don't work.
0: Doc, we we are keeping her. We're adopting her whole family into the (laughs) wacky dual clan. We call the Blasters and Blades podcast. You're stuck with them. These are my kind of people. Sounds great. (laughs) I'm going to kidnap your dad, and we're going to watch Star Trek. There you go. Her dad didn't That's confess funny. these things to us. After
2: that, you kidnap Robert, and her mom and I will just go drink the bourbon. Yes. She's
0: Wait, what if we take the bourbon much. with us? We've got classy standards, you know?
2: You're not taking the
0: bourbon. <laughs> That's the hill you're going to die on, the bourbon? Okay, okay. It's good See, bourbon. we really ought to get booze, con- uh, booze companies to sponsor us, but they just call us My family has oh. never
2: left booze behind. Just saying.
0: Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Doc. We got one more religion question. We're going to see what interesting stuff she gives us.
2: Right. Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or
1: Willow? So, I. this is where, like, my age comes in. Because I, I only know The Wheel of Time because of my dad. <laughs> I can guarantee you on his podcast, he was going off about The Wheel of Time. And then Willow... I don't know what that is. (laughs) And then Game of Thrones. I never got into Game of Thrones. So what is your favorite fantasy property then? My favorite? Okay, when I was like in middle school, like elementary middle school, it would have been Percy Jackson all the way. I was obsessed. Oh, good choice. I was obsessed. I was like, I wanted to be a daughter of apollo or a daughter of um poseidon like that was like me and my friends we would like we would write fan fiction before we understood what fan fiction was and it would be like the daughter of apollo is like fighting off like this thing and like we would just send we would email it to each other and then we would all like add on to it and so it would just be like basically a fan fiction collab between our friendship group of percy jackson <laughs>
0: That is pretty cool, though. I like that.
1: Um, And then as I grew older, probably Harry Potter. Um, I've, like, read all of those books probably seven times. Um, If we're talking about just books, um, yeah. We
0: picked the properties because we wanted them to be the most accessible. So ones that were across multiple platforms. So books or movies, all fair game or comics in some cases
2: yeah um so, yeah so which was your first love though sci-fi
1: or fantasy Mm. i guess i guess fantasy because um i was really into like the greek mythology so like because of percy jackson and then um I got into like the dystopian stuff, which I guess is sci fi.
0: Yep.
1: I think yeah, it depends see. on how it is, what the mechanic is underneath it. Right. Cause that almost feels like is urban sci fi thing. That, it that can like, be like urban sci fi fantasy. You narrated like, an urban sci fi. Yeah. Wait. So, yeah. Well, I thought that was urban fantasy. Wait. Which no one? choice. No
2: choice. The Kaled Chronicles. No, I haven't narrated. Oh, you haven't narrated those?
1: No. No. Well, I did narrate the, the short story, um, "Isabel's Campaign.
2: Yes. That is urban sci-fi. That would be urban sci-fi. And so. that was in the Storming Area 51 anthology. Mm-hmm. Yes. See? Good
0: anthology. Stupid FBI cock-blocked us.
2: Well, you know, it's what the government's there for—cock blocking. That's all the right. Trying to have fun.
0: Yes. All we did was want to just have a little party, and they acted like it was something special. Anyway, so what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction? So that's the the large umbrella. You know, Doc, we really ought to have an um uh, a episode where we talk about spec fic and what qualifies, and make that a panel.
2: You know, write what? that what? down.
0: So, uh, <laughs> for those of you listening at home, she just shot me the one-finger salute, but she does love me. It's, it's obvious. Um,
2: it's JR's favorite hand gesture.
0: <laughs> this is true. It's true story. Um, so, what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction? You're young enough that it could have been video games, board games, movies, books. Like, all of the venues were available to you.
1: So, mm, I guess... So is it just is speculative fiction? What?
0: Sci-fi, fantasy, horror. Okay. Paranormal, all the things.
1: Um I mean, I guess cartoons. Okay. Because like those are like the earliest gateway to like fandoms. So like I guess probably the earliest Technically, my brother would claim that it would be making me play Mortal Kombat with him. (laughs) at like
0: excellent brother. (laughs) He did well. That
1: would be his claim. Um, But I don't remember that because I was like five years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then probably like Avatar The Last Airbender. Ooh, good one. And then I watched that with my kids. Yeah, so good. Um, And then. I guess I'm trying to think of, like, games I played when I was younger. Because I usually just um, followed my older brother's lead with, like, hobbies that we would do. Unless it was, like, me wanting to play with Barbie dolls and dress up. So, um, he, like, really loved, like, Oblivion and um, Mortal Kombat and, um, like, those like old GameCube games with, like, the Pokemon battle. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
2: I, I feel that. old listening to her describe these games.
0: <laughs> it's okay, Doc. Me too, me too. So first off, your brother, if he's listening, he gets the seal of approval that was most excellent introducing you to all the cool things. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that he didn't want to play Barbies with you. Hmm. <laughs> he he, he could do better next time.
1: He would want to meet like, <laughs> like um. like... Anakin action figure and like have them flip in the air and like kill my Barbie. And I would be like, what the heck? I mean,
0: that's acceptable. I mean, he <laughs> played with you though, right? So it counts. Your dad yeah. did good.
1: She's so <laughs> like, she's getting her hair done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I had it easy. My, my little sister was a tomboy. So I didn't have to worry about any of that. She was totally game. Um, so we talked about how you came to discover speculative fiction through, you know, your nerdy family, which is kind of a cool way to do yeah. it. But what is it about that sort of umbrella of of groupings of of nerddom that you love so much?
1: Um, I think for me, it's like the characters and like the creativity of the world. So okay. I I love like things that are char- like stories that are character driven um, and like getting emotionally connected to characters and um just like falling in love with them as so like the plot and like the world can be secondary because they're the ones driving it right but then if you have a very like creative interesting unique world it allows you to completely escape into it and so you can live like all these different worlds and lives through these characters and these book series and tv shows and stuff like that and i was like I mean, I was a weird kid, you know. I think a lot of fan, (laughs) I think a lot of people who are like really into like all of this like fan stuff and speculative fiction is like they're, they were weird kids. And so like I had a crazy imagination and I would be like running around in the backyard pretending that I was a cat in like, cat society you know because my friend she was like super obsessed with warrior cats books and so like oh, we okay. put that together and then um pretend to like build forts and societies and like cultures and all these pretend games um and so reading those books and being a part of those like tv shows and movies and video games like that just builds that imagination in your brain and it just like becomes just so much creativity it's like creativity on fire
0: i like it though i mean that's good for your brain like they they society lost someone they forgot how to be quiet in their own heads and just have fun and think of things which is yeah, what you were doing yeah. when you're playing outside with your imagination and your friends yeah. When, when yeah. they started relying on TV screens and and video games to do it for them, I, I think we lose as a race. So it's a human race, I should say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Got everything
0: yeah. in moderation.
1: <laughs> I love
2: killing things. It's the only reason you survive so long is so I can kill things on machines.
0: This is true. I'm not saying I'm not against it. I mean, like Skyrim is my crack. I'm just saying you got to learn to balance it. <laughs> yeah. So. How did your love of speculative fiction as a genre translate into you I don't know if telling stories is the right way but definitely performing them as an audiobook narrator?
1: Yeah, so I think I was I don't know if how like big this career will get but I think I was always meant to do it because I literally for as long as I can remember would find quiet places in my house to read my books because I had to, or I didn't have to, but like, it was very hard for me not to read them out loud and give everyone their own inflection and character voices. So like, and so ever I had my friends, they would be like, I can't believe you read so slow. Like, why do you read so slow? Because they would be like competitive about finishing books so they'd be like I got this book Monday and I finished it Wednesday and it's like a 700 page book I'm over here taking like two weeks to read a book because like I had I couldn't read without it pacing right so like my they had to like I had to wait for the pause of that dramatic moment in the book I couldn't speed read through it because it needed to happen and so when I started to get into audiobook narration it just felt natural like oh I've been I've been doing this like I've been telling these stories just to myself um so it kind of just felt like it was it meant to be
0: that makes sense like I I could definitely see that taking the time to enjoy it so do you get, like, I know I do this because I edit, and I've heard other narrators say this. So I edit these podcasts where needed. And so I hear my own voice and I cringe. Do you do that with your own narration as a, as a audiobook um, expert, I should say?
1: Yes. I mean, it's gotten so much better. But, oh, man. Like, Mel and I have talked about the first book that I narrated. And, like, we have talked about, like, maybe I should redo it because I have improved so much oh. <laughs> and it's just like oh that that first book to listen back to is it's a little rough
0: <laughs> so I, I give you this I as kind of a for instance like oh. it, though,
1: because the character is kind of rough
2: she is she is, like that does that make any sense because that's how you started oh it does that is, you kind of grew with the character because i've listened to all of them oh. and i I like. Yeah, I feel like she's <laughs> kind of grown with the character in oh, a way, yeah. and maybe it's, it's because cool. I know you, <laughs> and, and so I also know that you know you're roughly the same age as the character, particularly yeah. in the early books of the, My Luck. So I'm like that. Oh. I did tease Mel. I'm like, so it's typecasting, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so, no, I agree. I I do so agree with that. I remember. I've like, Good. Sorry, I was just, I remember like talking to Mel when I was first prepping that book, and I was like, Corey is going through it. I feel really bad for her. And she's like, I know, but it gets better, kind of. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually.
0: <laughs> so what I was going to say was that I listened to The Lost Fleet books by Jack Campbell, and he has Christian Rommel narrated. Now, he was traditionally published, so, you know, the books come out over a span of seven several years. Uh, but if you listen to them like I did, because they were already done at that point, I listened to them yeah. from book one to book, like, 14, I think. Yeah. And you could actually hear the progression of, of Christian Rommel, who is the narrator, who's actually narrated a book for me, too. Like, you can hear him get progressively better. Yeah, And as someone who like, you know, once you find someone you like, you tend to follow them. That's kind of a cool experience. And you'd almost take that away. I mean, unless it's horrible. I mean, it's just, I could do better.
1: (laughs) It's just one of those, it's one of those things where like, when you have like, any work that you've done from start to like where you are now, and it's like, published, and then you go back and look at it, you're like, oh yeah like i'm just, like it's just like you can see how much you've grown which is great but at the same time you're like oh man i've grown and people can see that
0: <laughs> that's a good thing
1: it is the It's people, just, like, that's like the super
0: fans like to follow that with you
1: yeah that's true um, i feel the same yeah. way about, like nick Fodel, like yeah those, Name <laughs> of the I love that book series and of course it's like never going to get finished <laughs> but like I it love gonna the get series finished? of that and like he will go on and on about like how he's like oh no don't talk to me about it
0: why isn't that book series going to be finished oh she's giving us the look
1: <laughs> because the the author is just It's been like 10 years I think
0: That's sadness
1: Yeah Um, In his case it sounds like it's a perfectionist Problem um, Rather than like A laziness problem (laughs) Like some people
0: right, doc the next question is you or I'll keep rambling And that might bore the listener so Save me from Uh,
2: myself I mean I
1: think I already
2: know who your favorite
1: narrator is? <gasps> oh, do you? Mm-hmm. I kind of just mentioned his name. <laughs> uh, is it Nick Pernell? Yeah.
2: So So, yeah. um, the JR is going to fuss at me because I uh, skipped the order. Oh. So, for okay. Mister Rule following, not seat of his pants. Um, <laughs> uh, were there any formidable moments that? you know shaped who you are as a narrator
1: Mm. yes um well shaped who I am as a narrator um yeah I would I would say probably um theater so I was in theater in high school I went I was like out of this community theater and then I um graduated Kennesaw State University with a theater degree Go out.
0: Oh. Yeah. Doc knows that school. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, with a concentration in acting Um, because we don't have a voice acting concentration. Um, But halfway through, so like my sophomore year, I like realized that I um hate being on stage and like acting in front of people. And I was like uh, and I like hate driving into downtown Atlanta. And I was like, what? What am I doing <laughs> like this? Literally, all this career is is like existing in like cities and being on stage or in front of a camera all the time. And I was like, uh, uh, and so, um, my dad, this he had been having his books narrated for years now. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, I like books and I used to read them out loud. And, um maybe maybe I could you know get into that and then um literally as I was like thinking about that I got a there was like a one-time class being offered for voice acting and so I was like all right I'm taking it and so I was I got trained in like how to do voice acting for like video games and commercials and animation and audiobook narration as well um and I was like, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. But I didn't want to do narration in the sense of, like, very... um, What's the word? Like, even... Like, not very performative. So there's, like, different styles of narration. And so there's style. Yeah, like, the boring. You went into the room we <laughs> opened up the box. So I definitely knew that, like, I wanted people who to listen to my books and feel like they're listening to multiple different characters and they're being in this world and it's not just like wait who said that was that the same person like I didn't want that I wanted each character to be distinct and feel uniquely themselves and I think my background in theater and like knowing how to delve into different characters and be different characters really helped with that because now I can be all of the characters in just one book.
0: Okay. So (laughs) this is gonna go a little out of order. Doc, remind me to to scatter it out or uh, mark it out later. But since you did mention it, you wanted each of them to have their own personality.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you go about tracking all that so in your head you can be consistent?
1: Yeah, so sometimes it's easier than others. sometimes like I just like have a voice and it's like in my head and it's just not gonna like leave and it's just stuck in there and it's great um like they're very distinct and other times um I have to listen to them over and over again so the way I do that is I will um usually it depends on the author but I will either come up with a voice based on how I think they would sound from reading the story or I will come up with a few options and send it to the author to get verification if that's how they think that character sounds. Um, If we agree on one of them, then I keep it. And if I ever forget how they sound, I have to listen to it a couple of times to jog my memory and then I mimic it.
0: Are Are you able to do that with accents too?
1: Almost, like most of the time depending on the accent it's really hard because like so for
0: example
1: um in mel's books um for my luck the twisted luck series about halfway through the series she started integrating like um political conflicts between china and japan and so there were multiple situations where people from China and Japan would be arguing and having conversations with each other. And <laughs> I had to figure out how to make sure that those accents were somehow distinctly different when to an American ear, they don't sound very different. <laughs> so right. that was like, that was really hard. And I I, I will say like, I don't think I did like the best job because that's really hard to do. Um, but i I tried my best that I will say. Um, for sure. i I definitely try my hardest to make sure that I'm doing an accent authentically and not doing a stereotype because that's the last thing I want to do.
0: So speaking of the pronunciation since since we're going there, Mm-hmm. when you do the pronunciation for sci-fi and fantasy words that are just made up, like what's your process for coming up with those? Cause some of them, it's like, they just took the alphabet soup, grabbed a spoon and like, Oh, we're going to throw <laughs> this together. and We've got a word.
1: Yeah. So with that, I will contact the author with like all of, I'll have like a spreadsheet and I'll write down every time I see a word. I'm like, I don't know what the heck that is. And I will put it in a spreadsheet and I will ask them to spell it out. For me, phonetically, or send me a audio voice file of how it sounds, and then I will go back to it um, whenever I come across that word until it's memorized in my brain.
0: Okay, that makes sense. All right, since we've been all out of order, I'm going to try to get us back on track because Doc is going to laugh because I normally complain when she's doing that <laughs> um, to us. So, uh, as a reader, because obviously we've established you like you enjoy books given that you're in the narrating field yourself now, do you listen to other people's audiobooks more often than not? Or do you find yourself reading them in, in print now?
1: So I don't, I think if I'm, so if I'm going to read a book, I usually lean towards an audiobook. book um, because um, well, even though I prefer paperback books, like I prefer the feeling and to sit down and read a book, but like, I don't always have to, like, if I do that, I generally don't end up finishing the book unless I'm obsessed with it. And then I don't sleep because I just read this book for, like, from 4 p.m. to 8 Um, (laughs) a.m. But that, so I generally lean towards audiobooks in that case.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, we've been all over the place so there's not really a transition but we do like to ask the nerdy fandom type question so you're relatively new to the narration space Mm -hmm. so what milestones are you looking for like you've already won some awards i don't know how big they are because i I don't really follow all of that but uh what do you what's like what's going to be the big one for you that's going to be like oh i have arrived
1: Mm, for the next uh, i probably uh I, I uh, man, I don't, like, if I, if someone came up, if someone asked for my autograph, that would be so cool. <laughs> um, Yeah, but, like, I think career-wise, um, that's hard to say, because, like, on one hand, I'm, like, I would love to be more involved in, like, um, an audiobook publishing company, but at the same time, I don't know. Like I think I would prefer to be involved in like more smaller ones, um, because I like the relational aspect of that rather than like, like a big company just being like, please here book, Um, but then you get a lot of like benefits from that because there's like all these things that they have to follow, Um, but I think I don't know I'm just rambling now but like if I were like if someone were to come up to me. Like if I were at Dragon Con and someone would be like, are you on Juliet? I think I would lose my mind. I'd be like, yes.
0: (laughs) So, all right. So, but don't worry people because as nervous as she is, there's only like a hundred people that go to Dragon Con. So it's not that bad. She'll be okay. (laughs) All right. So um, before we get too far in, we're going to pause for a moment. While we shamelessly shell for the woman this time. Thank you, Mel Todd. And as an added bonus, you will get to hear Autumn's professional narration with this commercial for uh, my luck. Uh, So roll that beautiful beat. Oh, I can't use that. They'll sue us.
1: In a world where magic is controlled by law and government, mages are both coddled and persecuted. Corey Monroe knows she isn't a mage and her best friend is. Reality isn't always what you know. If you are looking for an urban fantasy with found family, an education-based magic system, and evolving storylines, try My Luck by Mel Todd, book one in the Twisted Luck series, available exclusively on Amazon.
0: All right. See, that wasn't bad. That was awesome. Yeah, Alright, so yeah. thank you for sticking with us through that commercial interlude, uh, but let's, uh, let's dive in first. Uh, before we continue, Autumn, can you give us sort of like the Reader's Digest? You mentioned some of the books, but what all have you worked on as a narrator?
1: Alright, so I have done um, so I've been working on the series with Mel Todd, which is the Twisted Luck series. Um, and then I have done a few short stories. So I did the short story Isabella's campaign, which is in the, um, oh, I'm blanking on it. The anthology, the farming area fifty-one. Thank you. I was like, we literally just talked about that. Um, and then I did Love Finds a Way for you guys, <laughs>
0: which will be coming out as soon as Audible does their thing.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I did a standalone book called um one heart that beats for two um and that's the book that i got the two awards for um is vampire hmm?
0: is it a vampire with a title like that no
1: no so it's a paranormal romance um and okay
2: i I gotta ask you something was it awkward because you know, are related to the
1: author it was not awkward okay, okay yes um it was not awkward because there wasn't like it's a closed door romance so uh, there wasn't it's very a, clean yes yes um and yeah the only thing was like when it's your family you're get like frustrated when they ask things of you even though it's like okay if You, If we weren't related, this would be perfectly normal. But because I, you are my family member, I'm going to be annoyed. That was like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. Like, it's not a big of (laughs) a deal.
0: So he won't listen to this episode, so you're totally okay. He'll never know you said that.
1: Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. I I was like, you're being annoying right now. Like, I just want to let you know, you're being annoying. It's okay. Robert's used
2: to it. Yeah,
0: i fine. <laughs> All right, Doc. The next question is yours.
2: I have no idea where we are in any of this.
0: 18 through 21 are yours. See, this is, this is how we do things professional-like. We talk about numbers on the air.
2: <laughs> JR, can you count to 10?
0: I, I, I got to 20 if I take my shoes and socks off.
2: Ooh, that's really high for you. You must be having a good day with that brain damage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know... So-
2: what is your favorite genre to narrate? Mm.
1: Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Probably, probably urban fantasy because I think it's more in line with my vocal style. Um, I did do that um, science fiction, urban science fiction one um, and yeah it was it was interesting because like the tone of the story I was like very it felt very different to read um, because I'm very mm-hmm. used to narrating things that are more sarcastic <laughs> and like <laughs> um, like more emotive not that the story wasn't emotive but well emotive. I mean it was third person it was science fiction and so it was like reading all like the science jargon and like we're going like and it it was just like wow this is really like it it felt like out of my element whereas with science with um urban fantasy um or even just like um just like normal fiction um i feel more it feels more natural, but it's really fun to narrate like fantastical things. like I love doing all like the weird voices for like cat creatures or dragons. Um, like that's really fun.
2: Is there a genre that's harder to prepare for you when you're reading, getting ready to read?
1: Um probably um. I don't know if it would be necessarily a genre but like certain things in genres so like it's harder to prepare for something where there's like a lot of different um there's like a lot of characters because then you're like i have to figure out how to make each character's voice distinct or there's like a lot of new words that have been created for the story um so that that can be difficult um but i wouldn't say there's necessarily a genre unless it's like um hard
2: to say words is not a genre then right yeah
0: <laughs> so you're let me, giving
2: me the look <laughs> like Jessica, you're crazy again
0: so, so let me ask, ask it this way so <laughs> like when i i'm hard of hearing right so yeah, when yeah. i i don't tend to have a preference for how things are pronounced i mean there are some Like, it's corpsmen, not corpsmen. Like, there's some that are just the accepted way. Obviously, that matters. But when it comes up to made-up words, like, I tend not to care because I'm, you know, I'm not that picky because of my hearing. Is it easier when you get an author like that who's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I just wrote it. But if you want to say it this way, that's perfectly okay. I don't care. Or is it better when they say, no, this is exactly how it sounds in my head, um,
1: I think technically the former is is easier because like you don't have to worry about it you're just like hey do you care and they're like not really and you're like cool and then you just go for it um but then the problem with that is that if you pronounce it differently every time the reader's gonna notice and then if the way you pronounce it is very different to the way it's spelled then, like, you're gonna have readers who are like, "I read this book, and the way the narrator pronounced it is like nothing like the way it's written in the book." And so, when you have an author who's like, "It's pronounced this way," it saves you from like the continuity errors of just being a human being, kind of.
0: Who said we were human? That's that's awful bold of you to assume.
1: Yeah, oh. I mean, you were. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I, I thought that might get a shock response, Doc, but I guess I guess Robert ruined her.
2: You know, she may have had a warning or two.
0: <laughs> All right, keep going, Doc.
2: <laughs> so, so um how long does it take you on average to narrate a book?
1: Oh gosh. So it's like
2: because it's a process. So, how long does it take yeah. you typically to like set up a book?
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean,
2: some one of I we had somebody on and they were like it takes for every finished all hour. She's like, That's like four hours worth of work going into yeah. a finished
1: hour. Is that yeah, normal? That's yeah, that's about that's actually on the lower end. So it's anywhere from four to six being like oh, the God. average. If oh. you get it, so if you're like if it takes you eight hours for one finished hour then like that's that's like you're having a lot of problems either like you have a full-time job or like you have like a lot of noise in your neighborhood where you live and stuff like that um which is just normally the case anyways um and then if it's below four then in that means like you've got great stamina and you're somewhere super quiet.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned stamina. Are there things like, you know, everyone sees the, sh- the movies where the voice actors do the weird vocal trills or whatever, where they're like propping their voice to go on stage. I don't know if people actually do that who sing, cause I don't, but I mean, are there things you do to exercise your voice and to prepare when you're going into the booth?
1: Um, sometimes I do. Um, it depends on when I record. So if I'm recording in the morning, it t- I have to wait, like, a solid hour before I get into the booth. Because I- if I just wake up, brush my teeth, go into the booth, like, my voice is going to sound like this. And it's not going to look good for a reader. <laughs> like, it's not going to be fun. Um, So, like, I have to wake up for, like, an hour, drink water, have coffee, because I need coffee. <laughs> As you do. Um, Yes. And then um, if I feel like my mouth is like not going to articulate well, I will do um, like tongue twisters, or I will sing a few songs in the booth <laughs> to get my vocal cords warmed up. But if I record in the afternoon, it, I've usually been like talking during the day. Um, and so um, my vocal cords are all warmed up and I've been articulating throughout the day so I can jump right in and it's a lot it's a lot easier
0: so do you ever record the preparations for more blooper rails like we discussed earlier
1: <laughs> actually I have a whole folder of bloopers
0: <laughs> oh that's awesome are they on your website for people to go listen
1: no I I've I've I have actually been planning on like trying to clip them together and like upload them on Instagram or somewhere because They're really, listen, I'm going to toot my own horn. They're really funny.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. If you did a Patreon, you could do that on either Patreon or like TikTok even.
1: Yeah.
0: So so you mentioned going into your booth. Now that's generally just the phrase people use when they go to record. Some people have a booth. Some don't. So, like, I know Pauly Cooley just records in his office. So you hear him complain a lot about the neighbor who's obsessively, like, weed whacking or, like, leaf blowing. I'm I'm pretty much convinced his co-host on his podcast pays people to show up and make noise (laughs) because that's just what Terry Mixon would do. But, like, do you have an actual booth or do you just record in your room or some closet or what?
1: So I have a closet in the basement um, and I have basically like um, PVC piping like in a box
0: okay. and so I
1: put that in the closet and then I have moving blankets over the box and then around the closet walls is um, uh, the foam. I'm literally sound sound foam cool. um, because the way sound treating works is like you need space between your walls so that the sound can reflect off that space so it's like you want a box inside a box or like a lot of different shapes and move like objects of like blankets and foam and stuff like that so that the sound can bounce off of that or be absorbed by that rather than like bouncing off
0: um i've seen sound booths where they have those weird shapes and i just thought that would drive me bonkers partly because being colorblind i see textures better and partly (laughs) i'm probably just a tad ocd i didn't realize there was a reason they did that yeah cool have you done the great video uh like the the video tour of your your studio for your like i don't know instagram because we linked that below
1: I have not done that. Usually I have like videos of me and you can like, I'm. it looks like I'm in like this orange room, like padded room because the moving blankets are orange, um, like orange and blue.
0: <laughs> that's cool. All right. Well, you can find the, the link for her Instagram below and you can see some of those videos she mentioned. Um, so when you um, narrate a book, do you read it before you go through it or do you just cold read it and that's what you get? Like, yeah, each I,
1: yeah, no, I so I will read through the book and I will prep it. Um, which for me, that is like reading through the book all the way, um, noting any like, um, pronunciations of like noting any words that have been created by the author, um, or new character names that are that I need to. Make sure the pronunciation of is correct. I will put that in a spreadsheet, and then I will um, also decide colors for characters, and I will highlight their lines almost like it's a script. Um, so that's like my my theater nerdness coming out, and so I will highlight their lines so that when I'm narrating, I know when to flip into different character voices so that it's a smooth transition rather than me stopping and starting constantly. So, yeah.
0: Okay, so we've talked about your process as you read the books or or narrate them or perform them. I'm not sure the proper terms to use. Um, It sounds like all of the above to me, but obviously, you know, some narrators are farther along in their career and they can afford to be picky. You are clearly newer and you're going to, to a point, take what you can get. I get that. Like you're young and hungry in your career. But at some point in time, you're going to get to the point where you can say yay or nay to projects. And when you do that, how do you think you're going to determine what, what projects you accept versus which ones you pass on?
1: Yeah. So technically, I'm already like avoiding some because I will not do um, like sex scenes and stuff like that so like i'm not going so on acx which is where like i will audition for a lot of books there will be plenty of you know the erotica (laughs) and so i um i don't audition for those um and if someone were like hey can you can you narrate for for this i would be like sorry i I don't do that um but if i get to a point where i'm like a big shot (laughs) and i can say yes and no um I probably um I don't I don't know yet because like I have yet to come across like a genre of book that I'm like ugh I hated that um I I mean science fiction I guess is like one that I just don't know if my vocal style is suited for, but that's like a personal thing. So if an author wants me to narrate their book, like then they like my voice and they want me to do it. Um, So I have nothing against like that genre. Um, I I really can't. It's more
2: about you finding the right fit then it sounds like than anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think it would be more about like, I think I would be pickier with, I guess like, authors if that makes sense so like if it's someone who is gonna be making my life crazy then i would be like no thank you but if it's someone like mel todd (laughs) then i would be like
0: so so let me tweak the question a little bit so you mentioned that uh you you avoid the the intimate scenes do you mean like books that that's all there is or anything that has congress that might lead to reproduction you're you're you don't want to narrate those like is yeah. it is it a firm line or is it just the genre? Because they're they are distinct. You will have regular romance that has obvious sex scenes in it. Right. Um and you'll have obviously there's the the mm, steamier degrees that, that we don't cover on this podcast either. But is yeah. it a, a firm line for you because of whatever personal convictions, or is it you just don't want to go into the more mm-hmm. whatever's past our rating?
2: Or is her dad bribing her?
1: <laughs> no. No. So um yeah, it's a firm firm line for me because
0: that's respectable
1: uh, yeah it's just a personal choice because yeah i just don't really want to do that <laughs> <laughs> oh i think it's great however
2: oh i'll talk to you about that offline. okay
0: it has led to some interesting bloopers terry mixon talks about one where they got to a uh... A steamier scene. It's a husband and wife narrating team, and they're like, "Oh, stop! Mom's outside the door because they were recording in their bedroom closet, and they forgot to edit that out." Oh my god! Because their mom was, I guess, their mom was babysitting their kids while they were doing their, you know, their day job as as audiobook narrators. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like awkward. That would make something really weird that year. Um, yeah. So, because you put so much effort into the final production, so this is really much, uh, very much a performance. I know some people. Because for various ADHD reasons, looking at you, Doc, will listen to their audiobooks faster than normal speeds. Does that bug you as a creative? Not at all. <laughs> you don't care? I know some narrators are like, no, you're not supposed to tell me you listen to it at 1.5 speed.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, no, because it's like I know that the the I am confident in the way I pace the story. And so if someone is just like, I literally just can't deal with normal pacing because I've been there. Like I will be like watching a video. Usually it's a YouTube video. And I'm just like, I don't have time for this two times speed. Um, I do that too. Yeah. It's like, that's just a, it's like a personal preference. Um, it's just like, I wouldn't mind if someone had to slow it down. If they were like, she talks too fast. I need this slowed down. Um, Cause I, I've heard of that too. I, it's rare, but I've heard of that too, where people are like, they talk too fast. I can't, I can't, it's I can't understand, and so they slow it down. Um, so, I mean, they bought the book, so it's like, then yeah. you know, so listen to uh, it how you want.
0: Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. I've actually listened to. There's late. I, I've been teaching myself to cook, so I a lot of YouTube videos. There's just one Southern lady, and bless her heart, she's a sweet lady based on her videos. But she talks so slow that by two X speed, she's normal. And yes, I can understand yes. it.
1: Yes, I've there are literally YouTube channels where like I will watch a video and I'm like, and I put them on two times speed, and I'm like, okay, now you're speaking normally. Why were you talking so slow? Like, I just give me the information now, now.
0: <laughs> and and for all I was raised in Virginia, I don't know that uh, I, I talk as slow as most Southerners. So <laughs> when when I I don't know if you remember the Micro Machine Man, the commercial where he would do the yeah, speed yeah, read.
2: you don't necessarily talk that slow but you definitely are on that speed
0: Ooh, that was a sick oh. burn i'll take it well done you even got the timing right and for the time of night like i'm impressed doc
2: yeah no Ooh. especially for today for some reason i woke up at like 4 30 this morning and uh it's like 10 p.m now so i'm impressed i'm awake oh
0: man yeah absolutely absolutely so and we're gonna have to add this to the template, but you've only done solo work, correct by solo, I mean single narrator. Are you open or do you think you'd want to at some point in your career do work where it's like two narrators or or an ensemble together?
1: That's actually really funny that you bring that up because I will be doing that um for um, my dad's new book. Um, it's his um, it's his novella. Book, which is like a bunch of short stories compiled together of his series, Sentinels of Creation. And so I will be featured in that book doing some stories along with Nick Podell. That's Are you cool. excited? Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> so that so... we're, we're going to get recording on that real soon because I am just about finishing up Faded Luck. With Mel.
2: Oh, yeah! I so know. I can't Mel wait for the pictures are coming out. Of the next so Mel episode.
0: said when I told her we were interviewing you uh, that I should ask you what you're working on right now. Is it Faded Luck?
1: Yes, it is Faded Luck. And literally, I'm I'm not kidding. I was like, I'm I have the epilogue left. Like it is the epilogue is all I have to record, but I. As audiobook narration happens, like, I had a conflict that happened, like, in the I was in the middle, I was, like, literally about to read the first sentence, and then I get a phone call, and I'm like, Ugh. and I had to, like, stop, I had to, I had to go, and I was like, dang it. <sighs> and,
0: and so by the time you listen to this episode, because we do record these in advance by about a month, it will probably be through the uh, audio editing phase, yeah. and then it's up to the the audible gods on, you know, what decade they publish it. Yeah. And and if you if you didn't hear her when she was talking about that or if you're listening, excuse me, and you're not watching, she did the the excited girl hair swish which was very impressive. So, <laughs> you really should check out the YouTube video just for that little moment. I'm balding so I can't do that. Doc though, I mean, she's just too too not girly for that. She's been around us grunts for too long. <laughs> All right, so we now, we try to keep Go okay, ahead, Doc.
2: It's okay. It's okay.
0: Yeah. So we try to keep this, generally speaking, aimed towards listeners and consumers because we're all nerds first that love to read and enjoy the content. But if you as a narrator were giving advice to a author that is or a publisher who's never worked with a narrator before, mm. um, what advice would you give them to make your job as a as creative easier?
1: To, oh, to make my job easier? Um yeah. I think... I would for me it would be like upfront with like how much collaboration you want to have. So um I usually I'm I'm usually the one who instigates that but like do you want to hear character voices? Do you want to be a part of the editing process? Do you want to be involved at all or do you want me to just like do my thing, send you the files and then that's that um that's really helpful because then I know like at what process do I need to contact the author for their involvement rather than just doing my own thing um that's really helpful um um also like spreadsheets um like if you have like I've seen some authors where they're like I have a spreadsheet of all of the names and how i want them pronounced already like for like like high fantasy books like i have those and i'll just give them to you like that's great um because if that's important to you like i would like a a narrator wants that um and yeah i guess just like talk like communicating and figuring out what how involved you want to be and what like your style is for this this book
0: Okay, and then, uh the next piece of advice, so if somebody hears you talking about being an audiobook narrator and like that sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm a nerd too, and I want to do the thing, what yeah. advice would yeah. you give someone looking to become an audiobook narrator?
1: Mm. Uh, man, see, I feel so like early in the stages that I need to be like asking others for advice, but like. Um, I guess the advice given to me was like, um, the thing is it's, it's quite an investment. So like all of the equipment, all, all of the time and money and like learning, um, it takes a lot. And so if you're going to do it, you have to realize like, it's a it's an investment and then you have to know that like it's it's the long game so most narrators who are like huge names now it took them like 10 years to get to that point Uh, but they just slowly chipped away at it and they got to where they were and it's because they were good at what they did and they continued to produce good work um and so it's it's definitely, like, a slow burn, but you have to keep at it. You can't just, like, be like, I'm going to do it sometimes. And then I'm going to drop it. And then I'm going to do it sometimes. So even if it's, like, not a lot of work at the beginning, if you're just consistently working at it, that is going to slowly roll into a giant snowball. Um, but I've, I've spent, like, hundreds of dollars. I've spent hundreds of hours Um, and also just like trying to, I think another thing is um, for me, a big deal was uh, learning how to engineer my audio so that I could engineer it for uh, audible quality because that allowed me to um, not need to outsource it to someone else to engineer if I were to go through ACX. Um, and also it helps me stand out to authors because they're like, oh, I can have her narrate and engineer it and I don't have to worry about it. Um, so that's a
0: really good thing. I know some of the more established narrators say that once they get to a certain point, they actually subcontract that out because they can produce more quickly that way. But you kind of have to get to that point first.
1: Right. Um, Oh my gosh. When I get to that point. You know, maybe that's it. I changed my answer. When I get to the point where I can have someone else engineer and edit my work, <laughs> woo, that's and it.
0: Then you'll I know you've arrived. I have arrived. <laughs> so, so for people that are curious, there is a book. It is a little dated. I don't know if he's updated it, but Jay, author J. Jay Daniel Sawyer has one, I think it's called Podio Tracks, but it's about making audiobooks. It's to my knowledge, the only book uh, on the subject. Um, and I will link it in the show notes if you're interested. Um, And it it walks through some of what she's talking about from a more technical side that would bore you to tears if you're not interested in it. So we we won't go there. But um, uh, with that being said, clearly this interview is winding down. But before we let you go, you mentioned in the beginning, so we're going to do a callback, that you did some fanfic writing as a kid with the Percy Jackson Jackson books. Do you still do writing on your own?
1: Not really. Um, I do have this like short story this Christmas short story and every once in a while I think about like going back to it and cleaning it up and publishing it because I think it would be a really cute kid story um but yeah I don't do as much creative writing as I used to but I like I used to do creative writing all the time when I was like elementary middle school early high school um and, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I will. You know, I'm young. I've got time. Got you,
0: you got time? So clearly this interview is winding down. But before we let you go, was there anything about the wild world of autumnal – oh, I forgot to show you the little icon. Well, let me do that. Doc, why didn't you make me do this sooner? Autonomal audio. I hope I didn't butcher that too badly. But is there anything about the uh, the mm, – Look at all that stuff on the bottom. Doc, stop me. Uh, <laughs> about your, your um, business that is uh, Autumn Juliet Studios, because uh, mm-hmm. I can't pronounce that I'll talk, that word again, uh, that Adominal. we didn't uh, talk about. Doc, just gosh, pretend <laughs> um, you can't eat it.
2: Um, no. <laughs> all
0: right. Bang, bang. Uh, was there anything we did?
2: Technically, you can't read it either.
0: I can't. I, it's just it's just a white screen. Um, was there anything we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell us before we wrapped up? Um,
1: I don't think so. Although you did, you mentioned books, and um, I will say a great book for people who want to get into audiobook narration or voice acting in general who want to have like a performative style um, is the Voiceover Voice Actor: The Extended Edition. Um, That is the book that I was like I read in my voice acting class Um, and it's like it's a great read like it's not boring it's really engaging and then there's like all of these exercises in the book as well Um, so like one of the things was that we would um, in the class we would have people describe how our voice sounds to them and like different verbs and stuff and then how they viewed our voice to be like as a person and that's like super helpful for understanding like your style and your vocal quality for when you're auditioning because if your vocal quality is really geared towards like teen books and you keep going towards like high fantasy novels and auditioning for them like then you you may be putting your eggs in the wrong basket so I really recommend that book
0: Okay. And before we let you go, dear listener, we would like to remind you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right book. So do your part people. And that's especially true over on audible.com where you can review the audiobooks you read. And not only do you get to read or review the story, you get to review the narrator. So there are plenty of books where people say five star for the narrator, one star for the book, which as an author just hurts my soul. But, uh, but, but that, that, helps narrators too. So, I mean, it's not just an author thing. So go do your part, review the books you read. If you're getting them elsewhere, I don't know, sound, find a way, Barnes and noble, all the places they've all got reviewing options. So seriously, it really does help. So do your part. Yeah. And with, and with that being said, miss autumn, Juliet, can you tell listeners how they can find you? And it will, as usual be in the show notes.
1: Yes. Um, so they can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page Um, and then they can find me, um, and that's autumnal Audio. My website is also autumnalaudio.com. Um, I have an Instagram, also, autumnal Audio, autumnal underscore audio. And then I have an ACX page where you can find me and contact me. You can also contact me on my website and anywhere else. Um, but that's where you're gonna have, like, pure author-narrator interaction. Um, so that's you can find me under autumn juliet at acx
0: okay and you can find us dear listener dear viewer at on twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com again blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com i promise we do answer them Uh, We also have a Facebook group where all the shenanigans happen over at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast again backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. We have a Facebook page where one day we'll get enough likes and follows and all those things where we can give it a dedicated URL, but we promise it's there so go look for it. And finally, we do have our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Where for as little as ninety nine cents a month, you can support the show and help keep the lights on. These things aren't free to produce; it's a labor of love, and you can help. Uh, you can help push that along. And finally, you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast and i promise i will keep my co hosts doc saska and nick garber duly medicated we will give them the psych pills until they are normal yeah (laughs) huh (laughs) see normal all right doc uh you're gonna bring us home but before you do this is a very important question. It's almost a tradition we made your dad answer. So, are you ready for this last one? Pineapple <laughs> on pizza. Yes or no?
1: Pineapple on pizza? Oh. Okay. Listen. The suspense is killing me. Listen. It's just too much pineapple.
0: <laughs> I like her. Doc, we're keeping her.
1: It's just too it's just too much. Okay? Like I will have A pineapple pizza, but then, like, I have to take the pineapple off because it's just too much.
0: I I approve, Doc. You found us a good one with this one. Uh, We (laughs) might convert you yet, Doc. We might,
1: he is not approved.
0: She's giving us the stank eye if you're listening, people. Yeah, so Jay orders
2: pizza like my son does. It's okay.
0: I mean, we're about the same emotional level, so it works.
2: I mean, you
0: know, (laughs) eight year old (laughs) drunk, it works.
2: <laughs> that you for st- oh, wait. That means soon he'll be older than you or wait, more mature than you.
0: Well, it depends. He's playing football, maybe not.
2: Don't wish that on <laughs> me. <up.
0: laughs> All right, Doc.
2: Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for the Absentee Nick Garber the Very Adult Brain JR. I'm Seska. This was the Blasters and Blaze podcast. We'll be back next week same time same place with all of our crazy stories, indulging our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, torturing JR
0: and of course all things that go boom. All right